everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. A testimony of your story for His glory. Last week you heard just a sampling of a previously recorded testimony classic concerning the Johnson Amendment, its founding, reasonings, and why this myth has yet to be fully debunked and removed. One of the leaders of this movement, called Pulpit Freedom Sunday, is again here with us today. And as God would have it, not only addresses the Johnson Amendment issue in his latest great read, but a host of others. In his just-released well-versed biblical answers to today's tough questions, my next guest explains. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome back to Testimony a wonderful honor indeed, Senior Pastor of Skyline Wesleyan Church, author of over 15 books including his New York Times best-selling Cracking Da Vinci's Code, National Chairman of the Pulpit Initiative, syndicated host of The Garlow Perspective, the popular one-minute commentary heard on over 850 media outlets, and if that were not enough, add to this a host of degrees that would make even the most earnest theologian take note, and they do. And finally... Jim is the loving husband of Rosemary Schindler of Oscar Schindler Heritage, whom he married in 2014 after 42 years of marriage to his then-beloved Carol, now in heaven's arms. Together, the Garlos have eight children and nine grandchildren. So yes, my next guest is well-versed, as you shall soon hear. Please welcome... Always an honor, Dr. James L. Garlow. And Dr. Garlow, welcome back to Testimony. It's great to be on with you, my friend. Well, it is great to have you. Dr. Garlow, before we begin, I would like to read former Governor Mike Huckabee's endorsement of you included in your latest great read, Well-Versed, and I quote, Jim Garlow is one of the most insightful, courageous, and compassionate Christian leaders in America. When he shares biblical answers to today's tough issues, it's neither an academic exercise nor a heartless attack against those who hate the Bible. Rather, it's the brutally honest reflections of a man who has lived his sermons, not just preached them. Wow. Dr. Garlow, that's quite an endorsement. And if Facebook is any indication, your book, Well-Versed, is now also in the hands of presidential candidate Donald Trump. Your thoughts on that before we begin. Well, I did have the privilege uh, a week ago yesterday of of placing the the book into his hands, and I was very grateful for that honor. I pray it gets read uh, by him and, and others. I recognize candidates don't sit around reading books all the time a very intense campaign. We will also be uh, delivering them, hand-delivering them, to uh, the offices of all 535 members of Congress, uh, July 11, 12, and 13. And so I'm looking forward to that, to try to get this in the hands of those who represent us in both the House and the Senate. Well, that is just fantastic. And these are the leaders of our nation. These are the deal-makers. These are the supposed voices for all Americans. So let's get right into your 
latest great read, Well-Versed. You wrote the idea for your book, which grew out of polls conducted over the course of 2014 and 2015. What did the polls reveal, and how did they inspire this project? It was quite a shock to me when I, uh, George Barnes' research came out. There are actually, there are actually three different uh, polls. The first one that he released a couple years ago uh, was that 90% of pastors agreed that the Bible speaks to the political and social issues of our day. But later in the survey, when they're asked, will you as a pastor speak out on those same issues you say the Bible speaks to, 9 out of 10 pastors say they would not. That was the first one that was pretty tough news. The second one came in September the 22nd, 2014, when the Pew Research Poll released information that people in the Pew in congregations, suddenly more of them were wanting to speak, wanting their pastor to speak out of what the Bible says about political and social issues of our day than those who did not. That was a sudden change. The lines actually crossed. It was such a it was such a radical change that they actually thought the poll was maybe an aberration for some reason at first. It, it was not. The the third poll was back to George Barna and that's September or August rather of twenty fifteen, in which people in the pew identified twenty two different political topics, political and social topics, that they wanted their pastor to instruct them about. Uh, it was quite quite a revealing uh, survey. But this is the part that triggered my heart in such a way that saddened me, mm-hmm. that, that really made me determined to write the book. And that was, it said, people who are followers of Christ are not speaking up on the issues, not because they're afraid of being called some name, like intolerant or something. They're not speaking on the issues because they don't know what to say. And so that's how the book, Well-Versed, Biblical Answers to Today's Tough Issues, was birthed, and that's why I addressed 30 different political and social topics with the biblical underpinnings to each one of them. Wow, yes. Now, while you address what the Bible has to say about the more obvious, hot political buttons, cultural issues such as marriage, abortion, sexual orientation, racism, and capitalism, you also take on important but less obviously biblical issues such as political correctness, school choice, health care, national debt, welfare, minimum wage, and social security. Can you provide examples of biblical responses to a couple of these lesser-discussed issues? Well, let's take minimum wage, for example. Most would assume the Bible doesn't speak to the issue of minimum wage. But you go to Matthew chapter 20, and it's quite the contrary. Uh, The man who hires the workers, for example, he starts hiring early in the morning. He hires another group later. He hires another group later. He hires another group later. He hires a group when there's only about an hour left to work. At the end of the day, he pays them all the same, and those who worked all day, understandably, complain. I, I would, too. But you go in and look at why he hired them. You would think it was because his harvest, he needed more workers for his harvest. But the text doesn't say that. Now, I, I grew up on a farm, so I understand the importance of getting the harvest in in a timely fashion. But the text actually says he hired them when he saw them standing around and not working. And he said, why are you not working? They said, because we had no one to hire us. And so he hired them as the day went on, as he kept finding unemployed workers, because there's something about unemployment that, that puts shrapnel in the spirit of a human being. And that in the text, I draw out about nine principles of guidelines for how you're establishing minimum wage. How do you establish the work environment between the employer and the employee with a biblical uh, understanding? Uh, we talk about debt and the, how, how, how debt of a nation literally asphyxiates the nation, brings horrific harm uh, to the nation. On taxes, I, I take the ancient Israeli pattern when Israel was a theocracy in the Old Testament, 
and say, okay, is their pattern of taxation, is that comparable at all to us in a constitutional republic in America today? Could we borrow some principles? And I would contend that even though the cultural constructs are vastly different, the fundamental principles are applicable. An example, a reason our taxation is so severely high is because the government is doing what the government's not called to do. The government is to defend the citizenry. So national defense, national defense qualifies. But the health and the welfare of people, that's in the faith community. If we follow the pattern of ancient Israel, and if we followed what America followed up until the last hundred or so years, we could return health and welfare where it's supposed to be, where it can be done much more effectively by faith communities at a fraction of the massive cost, and we get rid of a lot of the freeloaders, uh, the fraud, the waste, and abuse. So it's a pretty radical call for restructuring our taxation uh, position based upon what ancient Israel had and what they followed. So the importance of our next president favoring Israel and defending Israel is important. Why? Well, that is critical. Given all the dynamics of America and the enormous moral and economic freefall we've been in, uh, quite frankly, blessing Israel is our greatest national defense right now. Genesis 12:3. I'll bless those who bless Israel, and I'll curse those who curse Israel. That principle has never changed, contrary to what some replacement theologians think, that arrogantly claim that the Church has replaced Israel totally. Uh, that, is, that is nonsense. There are some covenants in the Old Testament that were intentionally had, had ending points, but the Abrahamic covenant, which flows into the Davidic covenant, which flows into the New Covenant, with Yeshua, that's eternal. That's ongoing. That covenant still stands as it relates to Israel. And so wise is the nation who stands with Israel, and, and a tragic destiny uh, awaits those who stand against Israel. Uh, at the meeting last uh, that we had with uh, uh, candidate Trump, Donald Trump, in New York City, he said strongly that he supports Israel. And I, I pray that that is exactly the case and would continue were he, were he to be elected. Amen and amen. And probably another question I have for you has all to do with the biblical application. Uh, you coined a term called biblical applicationalism. Can you explain in our remaining moments and why, if our country is not biblically based, we are not headed for a good outcome, Dr. Garlow? Well, it's intriguing that uh, some people would look at uh, what I say or do and say, oh, you're just a political activist, you're a political activist. Well, political activism is a good thing. In fact, it's actually a great thing. I'm not opposed to that at all. But that's very understimulating, unexhilarating to me, compared with biblical applicationalism. Biblical applicationalism is where you understand the Scripture is so good, the Word is so good, God is so smart, that He designed not only the Word of God for personal, personal life, family life, church life, your workplace life, but He designed it for your communities and your state and your nation. God wasn't take, taken by surprise and went, oh my goodness, there's a government out there, and I didn't think about that. We have this separation church and state that they define, and so I just, I gotta be silent, I think, pertaining to government. Now that's, that's a, an invention of the enemy himself. But the Bible speaks to every issue, including national and community life. And the more we honor the word in that area, the more blessed we are as a nation. Just think about it this way. Fifty years ago, if I would have said, ripping up a baby in the womb is a bad thing, people would have said, of course. You see that today, you're being political. But I said 30 years ago that uh, the practice of homosexuality is an abomination to God. They said, well, of course it is. I said today, Pastor, you're being too political. But I said 10 years ago, marriage is a man and a woman. People said, well, of course. 
understand today, Pastor, you're being too political. What we're allowing to happen, we're allowing the culture to box us in a corner as pastors, where we speak about, about fewer and fewer things. So only 320,000 churches in America, only 100,000 of those are actually Bible-believing churches. Perhaps somewhere in the range of fifteen to 20,000, I would hope 30,000, are, are, are churches with pastors that are willing to stand up and proclaim what the Word of God says to the political components, the social components, how God has ordained life in community and in our nation. And that's what biblical applicationalism is all about. It's about exalting the truth of the Word of God in our nation. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to acclaimed pastor, author, writer, speaker, and cultural activist James L. Garlow. His latest great read, Well-Versed, Biblical Answers to Today's Tough Questions, is a must-read for those who want to know, already in the know, or needing to know how to handle the critical issues of our day from a biblical perspective. You can learn more about Dr. Garlow's work ministry and mission by visiting jimgarlow.com as well as twitter and facebook you will be glad you did dr garlow it has been an absolute joy having you share just a little of your latest must read well versed a book that informs educates inspires and admonishes us all to get informed get involved for our families our nation but most of all the cause of christ which you have done and beautifully so we thank you and god bless you and it's a joy to be on with you my friend thank you for what you do in your ministry as well testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at jensen bard ministries and you our listening audience Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensen Bard. Thank you for listening. And please join us again for Testimony.